This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm John Weeks, and this is The Leader. I instructed Harry to form this organisation, and I and I alone am responsible for its activities. Sir Michael Gambon, a titan of the stage and film, an acting legend and a role model. Just some of the tributes being paid to the star following his death aged 82. Stars from all areas of the entertainment industry have been paying homage, including the likes of Dame Helen Mirren, J.K. Rowling, Rupert Grint, and screenwriter David Hare. But away from his grand status in the world of acting, many are reminiscing about what he was like as a person. He was known for his mischievousness, his naughtiness, and for being a magnificent trickster. Mischievous is, I think, understating it slightly. He uh, he had a, a really infamous habit of telling absolute whoppers to journalists and being delighted when they made it into print. Nick Curtis, our chief theatre critic and host of the Evening Standard Theatre podcast, interviewed Sir Michael himself back in 2010. One of the more famous instances was he told a journalist that he started out as a ballet dancer but had to turn to acting after an accident when he fell off the stage into the timpani section. Um, and I th- yeah, so I think you always had to treat what he what he told you with a certain measure of caution. I don't think he really liked interviews. He, um, I, I think he wasn't a trained actor. I think the process of it was a mystery to him. I think it was a compulsion to him. And I think that's one of the, th- the things that made his performances particularly on stage so sort of electric uh, was that he didn't really know where it came from and he didn't see any need to explore or expound it and he really didn't want to talk about his private life I said to him can we can, can I ask you briefly about you know being the father of two sons later in life he said oh no 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 no, we're not going to talk about that no 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 it was the most most graceful and gracious brushing off of a question I've ever had he had a pilot's license and he did at one point say to Terence Rigby, an actor with a morbid fear of flying, come up, come up with me, Terry, come up with me in my plane. I'll cure you of your fear of flying. Don't worry about it. Oh, you know, I will, I'll, I'll see you right. Went up in the plane with Terence Rigby at about 10,000 feet. Gambon feigned a heart attack and slumped over the controls, which you can imagine how awful that would, would be for, for somebody already in the grips of panic. But, uh, but there was a lighter side to him as well. There's lots of things appearing on social media today about him organizing, um, water fights 
lights across the backstage atrium at the National Theatre. So, yeah, I think he was, um, as I say, he was a big figure in in lots of ways and, you know, sort of difficult in some ways, but there's a lot of talk of his kindness um, from younger actors out there today as well. I think he was quite a unique figure and, and not quite unique, but part of a sort of dwindling link to the past, to that original National Theatre Company to the last days of repertory theatre, really, in, in the 60s. You know, he first made his name, really, at Birmingham Rep. And a, a sort of huge panoply of work across which he worked. The Irish-born actor made his stage debut in 1960 and went on to enjoy 57 years on stage and screen, most famously through the 2000s, making his appearance as Dumbledore in the Harry Potter movie franchise. It'll certainly be something that that generation will remember him for and probably chiefly remember him for. I mean, I'm of a generation that I first came to him through uh, Dennis Potter's The Singing Detective in 1986. Okay, okay, so what's the story? Who's the dame? And where's the body? I'm sorry? There's always a body too. I know that, you know that. And then Peter Greenaway's The Cook, The Thief, His Wife and Her Lover in 1989. You know, those are the things that introduced me to him. So we all remember, you know, everybody will remember him in different ways and it's a testament to the uh, to the, the variety of his ability, really. It's absolutely fine if some people want to remember him as Dumbledore. Fans and critics say he was just as good on stage as he was on screen, performing in Shakespeare productions to starring in a four-month Broadway run of David Hare's Skylight in 1995. I think I first saw him on stage in... Ben Johnson's Volponi at the Almeida, where he was just extraordinary. As I say, I I knew him at that stage as a sort of film and TV actor and uh, was blown away by how astonishing he was in that. I saw him in Skylight. I didn't see everything he's done since since sort of 1990, but I'd say a, a good sort of 70 to 80 percent of it. Um, he was tremendous in in Beckett, particularly in those very sort of boiled down quiet plays he could express a a huge amount of sort of emotion and mournfulness through very little dialogue and through very little physical expression you know he didn't he had extraordinary long expressive hands but he could also be incredibly still on stage as he was in the in the Beckett roles he was a terrific stage performer and he kept coming back as long as he could I mean in the last 10 years of his career he said that it was increasingly difficult for him to remember long speeches or to learn long scripts so um most of the last things he did were fairly short Beckett plays. But again, given how famous he was, given how much money Dumbledore must have earned him, the fact that right towards the end he was doing a tiny Beckett two-hander in a basement in German Street, you know, speaks how seriously he approached his craft, even if he didn't take it very seriously. And his performances were well awarded over the years. A Golden Globe, a Screen Actors Guild Award, a Tony Award... You name it, he probably won it. No, and I think he won two um, Evening Standard Awards. Yeah, he did win just about everything going. Um, I don't think awards meant very much to him. Um, it's a weird thing that things obviously did. You know, he obviously loved stuff. There's another lovely story that's been going around him is that uh, Tom Felton, you know, who played Draco Malfoy in Harry Potter, was fumbling a sort of crucial scene. I think it's possibly the scene where Dumbledore dies. Spoiler alert for those who haven't seen all those films. He kept... Um, fluffing his lines and so he and Gambon went for a cigarette because Gambon was a dedicated smoker certainly when I interviewed him in about 2010 so um, you know 82 was not a bad age for him to get to but so they went for a cigarette and uh, Tom Felton said to him I'm so sorry I know the lines I don't know what's going wrong and Gambon apparently said to him my dear boy do you know how much they're paying for me the longer we overrun the more likely it is I'll get a Ferrari out of this 
the Evening Standards Theatre Awards in 2016, Sir Michael talked about his departure from the stage due to health issues and how he missed performing in theatres. Because I can't be in plays anymore because I can't remember lines because I've got something wrong with my brain. Do you miss, do you miss the, the, the stage? Enormously, yeah. I'm just waiting for one of these plays <laughs> to give me a part in one of their plays where I'm like a butler and I come on every two minutes and don't know what I'm doing. Let's take a break now in part two, how London is paying tribute to the late Sir Michael Gambon. I would be very surprised if there isn't some commemoration for him, probably at the Pinter Theatre, which was where he performed a lot of Pinter plays. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. So as the tributes continue for Sir Michael Gambon, how is London marking his life's work on stage and screen? Well, the West End theatres are dimming their lights tonight, Friday night. It's only happened sort of four or five times in my lifetime. The last time, I think, was when Stephen Sondheim died. I would be very surprised if there isn't some commemoration for him, probably at the Comedy Theatre, the Pinter Theatre, which was where he performed a lot of Pinter plays. Um, You know, that place has become a sort of, weirdly, for a Victorian central London West End theatre, it's become quite a sort of crucible of experimentation. And so I think to actually have some sort of... um, a plaque or a, or a portrait of Gambon in there would be lovely. So will we see a Sir Michael Gambon statue or similar pop-up soon? I'm not aware of any of any plans so far, so I'm just putting that out there. If, <laughs> if anyone in Theatre Land is listening to that, or the owners of the Harold Pinter Theatre, then that might be a nice idea. So, whether it's being remembered as the most powerful wizard at Hogwarts, a titan of the stage or simply a fun, mischievous trickster and friend, Sir Michael Gambon's legacy will live on. I think as someone who enriched the lives of those who saw his performances or worked with him, you know, I mean, I think his legacy will be that he really was a one-off. Um, I can't think of a sort of comparable personality or somebody who had, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying there are, are not other actors who are as great, but I don't think that, I can't think of anybody who was 
great in the way that he was, as I say, physically imposing, not a handsome man, you know, I mean, a, a man built for, for character roles, um, but to become a sort of a lead actor, to be, to be a romantic lead in, in Skylight was a, was a great thing. He was a lovely romantic lead opposite Glenda Jackson in, a, in an almost forgotten film that I loved called uh, Turtle Diary back in the, in the 80s as well. And I think just the whole the whole sort of personality thing that he, that as, as I say, he really didn't seem to give a damn what anybody thought of him, what he did, lived his life by his own standards, you know, wouldn't be seen as fashionable to be a sort of chain-smoking driver of fast cars and gun owner these days, but you know, he was all those things, as well as an incredibly subtle interpreter of Shakespeare and Pinter, and yes, he was Dumbledore. For more news, interviews and analysis, pick up the Evening Standard newspaper or head to standard.co.uk. That's The Leader. Thanks for listening. We're back on Monday at four o'clock. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.